The Dire Ambition Podcast. For everything that you need to know in association with the Dire Ambition course for 2020. Welcome along to episode one of the Dire Ambition Podcast. Thank you very much for taking the time to download and have a listen to this. The intention of these podcasts is going to be to add some explanation to all the resources you find on the Dire Ambition website to support your level one course this year. So I'm going to dive straight into it and summarize some of the work we've been doing over the last couple of weeks to get everyone up to speed. So the year started with a spoken language study. And the reason that I've decided that this is the most important way to begin is that our entire year's work really does focus significantly on oral language. We're studying as our major text, Macbeth, and of course, it being a play, it's an oral text. So we're going to have to become confident and knowledgeable about how Shakespeare uses language designed for speech and particularly learn to pay attention to a lot of the features of spoken language that find their way into the script for Macbeth. But not just that, a language study is a really important part of any course that I teach. It's really important that we don't simply read texts and think about characters and ideas without looking more deeply into the means by which all of this has been created, the language of the text itself. I like to think of authors as a kind of a designer who have got a whole lot of tools at their disposal and they, with their skill and talent and inspiration, combine those tools to create effects that we as readers then, or in this case of Macbeth, for example, listeners, then are able to appreciate and enjoy. Not always consciously. Sometimes these effects happen on the unconscious level and that's just as important. But as analysts of literature, we're going to be investigating how all of that works. Of course, a spoken language study is not really about literature. It's about the way we talk to each other. And so now I'm going to summarize some of the things that we've been investigating in relation to spoken language. First of all, we broke the analysis of spoken language into three discrete areas. We wanted to look into the language of our speech, so the words that we use or the linguistic features. But we also wanted to look at something that we call prosody, which is a lot to do with the way that things sound. And then we also investigated a set of aspects of spoken language called paralinguistic features, the features that go alongside the speech that often add nuance and meaning to what we're saying. One of the first things we discovered, actually through experimentation, is that it's often the sound and the visual features that go along with what we say that carry a lot of the emotional meaning, and therefore, in a lot of cases, a lot of the meaning in speech. So what's interesting there is that when something's turned into writing, how might a person encode those things, which otherwise would come through a change of tone, a change of pace, a pause at a particular moment, or even just a facial expression? Not only did we investigate those aspects, but we also started to look into how we speak to each other. And you transcribed your own conversations to investigate those for the sort of features you might use when you speak to each other to convey your ideas. What we discovered there was that on the forefront of the development of the English language lies the young person of today. And the sort of formulas and solutions that you have to communicating with each other in person are absolutely inspired. There's so much that goes on between two people who know each other in a conversation that is about how we develop and 
advance the use of language in order to convey a lot. Of course, knowing each other does change the way we talk because you can take a lot of shortcuts. You can use abbreviations or you can use idioms or terms that only you know because you can be confident that the person that's listening to you can understand it. You know who they are. The other advantage of speaking, of course, is that the other person is largely present when you speak. And so, of course, that allows you to use informal mechanisms. If you're not understood, which is often where the problem comes in with informality, then, of course, the person's present and can ask for clarification. All of these ideas have been brought together in a bit of analysis. So after you transcribed your own recorded personal conversation, you were then asked to pick out some of the unique features of that conversation, some of the non-standard aspects. Some of you picked on verbal utterances rather than actual words. Some of you picked on the use of slangs or idioms. Some of you even picked up on tonal change. Then you described in a paragraph how that whole mechanism worked. As part of this process, we also examined a text that came from the UK, and it was a film where there was a conversation between three South London teenagers having a conversation about something that had happened at school that day. We discovered, of course, that there are a whole lot of things that are conveyed in our speech with each other that we perhaps don't always know are there, but when it's drawn to your attention, you know it's true. There are so many ways of using words and words themselves that are so specific to a particular person that if someone else tries to use them, even if they sound right, they can't get away with it. Often the words used by young people, for example, while they might be understood by an older person, when they're used by an older person, it just serves to underline how alien they are to the conversation. You can also tell things from the way people speak about their cultural heritage, their geographical location. You can often tell things about potentially their gender or sexual orientation. There's so much that is conveyed, not just through what's talked about, but actually the words we choose to say the things we say. That investigation of the choices that people make when they speak and what it might tell us about them is going to be extended as we progress further forward in this spoken language study. And the other thing we're going to do, which I introduced when we started discussing the notion of LOL as something that's evolved from being an abbreviation in text to something that we actually say to each other to express the exact opposite of laughing out loud, we're going to have a look at all of those ideas in relation to text language and show how, again, that's another aspect of the forefront of the development of language. And then we'll bring it all together by asking you to write in a formal essay an insight that you've developed through this whole study that you'd like to share with your readership. And of course, you'll be using formal language to do that. So you're moving right through the registers of informal personal communication to highly formal structured writing. Your paragraphs that you've written in the last week are the first step in that direction, and I'm really looking forward to having a good look at them. Remember all the audio, the films, the glossaries, and the exemplars we've done on the whiteboard are all available on this website. You can find those in the show notes with links to the particular pages, or you can just go to the Dire Ambition site to see it all. So thank you very much for listening to the first Dire Ambition podcast for the year. One of these is going to be produced about once a week in order to support what we're doing in the classroom and also to help those of you who might have missed lessons to keep up with some of the ideas that we're dealing with. The ideas are coming thick and fast and that will only accelerate when we start dealing with a literary text. Thanks for listening. Catch you next week.